Hey, Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What's a Canadian ghost's favorite food? I don't know. What is it? Boutine. Eh? <laughs> it's spoop hour. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Well, isn't that more Midwestern? I like to think they're all kind of connected. Yeah, but I feel like odd oh, jeez and on oh, no is very, like, Minnesotan, eh? Oh, oh. sorry. Sorry. Don't you know? Sorry. Right. I'm just going to get on the boat. The boat. The boat. Yeah. The boot. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, welcome to Spoop Hour, Spoop a paranormal hour, comedy... Eh? Paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. Who are currently alienating all 12 of their Canadian listeners. Yes. Hello. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, Canadian listeners, when you are listening to this, your Thanksgiving was about a week ago, thus inspiring our topic for today. Canada. Canada. Oh. Oh. Oh, Canada. Canada. Oh, Canada. Find us as always on Twitter and Instagram where you can tell us that we did very badly with our <laughs> Canada in Actually, nobody in Canada. In Canada. Canada, <laughs> they probably won't tell us. No, they're going to be like, fuck you guys, and just like immediately close it out. Or they might be too polite. Oh, and they'll geez. say, sorry, but sorry. you guys were being kind of dicks. Insensitive about Canada. Dicks about it. Don't be such dicks about it. Anyway, Canada's fascinating. It's a very large country. It is. As Americans, we don't talk about Canada very often. I know, like, pretty much nothing about Canadian geography, except for where some major cities are, and only because I have friends there. Yeah. Like, okay, this is a problem I have with weather maps a lot, when I watch, like, the Weather Channel or whatever. They only ever show the weather for America, and then they just cut it off at Canada and Mexico, and I'm like, but all of the weather still affects... Like, the country... Oh, you didn't hear? Canada doesn't actually get weather. Yeah, they do. It's like, we don't care about what's going on, where the cold fronts are actually coming from. It's like, oh, they just sort of materialize. come from somewhere. Yeah, and so it just makes me really annoyed that we don't get that. At least in, like, the national weather channels. I'm sure that if I lived with my grandparents in Michigan, I would see some weather reports about, like, Canada, especially in the winter when they're like, oh, you know, going further up north for skiing because can't Michigan's flat. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But that's that's all I know about Canada. Yeah. Just, Canada's, like, friend geography. Canada's huge. I know that to say that you are French-Canadian and from Quebec, you would say, je suis Québécois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I highly recommend, actually, everyone watch Letterkenny because as of this episode being out, a new season just dropped so that's good yeah and it's very short each season's only six or seven episodes there's really no excuse for anyone to not be watching this show each episode's like 20 minutes and there's only six or seven per season why haven't you started watching letter kenny <laughs> it's a fun show and if you like hockey there's a lot in it for you and if you just like fun punchy writing that moves very quickly it's a good show before i give you a present can i say something that's gonna make you hate me yes i watched all of season one and i didn't like it just didn't hook me. I'm so sorry. 
I, I tried. mean, season one's not that good. Oh, okay. It, Maybe I'll give like, another try. It's, yeah, I would say just keep going okay. and see. Because there's some more characters that are introduced. Uh-huh. But if you can't get into it, into season three, then yeah, you can just give up. Okay. But everyone else I know, besides Courtney, <laughs> besides which me, is a lot I'm of people, worst. love this show. <laughs> I don't. It's so weird because like out of like the fifteen people that I talk to regularly who watch Letterkenny, like you're the only person who just can't get. With I just it. I could. I had so many people recommend it to me, none the least of which was you. And like so many people were like, "I love Letterkenny. I love Letterkenny. You should watch Letterkenny." And so I'm like, "Great!" And they're like, "Oh, you like Shit's Creek? You'll love Letterkenny." And I'm like, "Great!" And I like charged into it. First episode, I was like. Okay, it's the first episode, you know, this might get better. And then I watched the second episode, and then I watched the third episode, and then just well, kind of... Anyway, I got you a present. You got Stop me a present. being sad at me. No, I'm not sad. <laughs> I'll go watch Letterkenny without you. It's Yay! Okay. Where is it? What present? Oh! <laughs> there hasn't been a present here in four to seven years! Oh my god, that's so cute! It's a cat and a ghost on the phone with each other. It's collar pins, so they're connected. The phone is connected. That's uh-huh. so cute! So they're having a little... Also, that was so funny that I pulled out all the okay, tissue paper and was like... And all I saw was the bottom of the bag. Was Surprise, like, bitch. I didn't get you a birthday present. <laughs> this is so cute. Yay. I would put it on my current collar, but I don't want to stab my cat. I understand. You'd <laughs> Which stab your also, cat right in the dick. The cat, uh, my collar shirt that I'm wearing today has a, is a cat collar. It <laughs> like, is. It's a, just a cat wrapped around my neck. It is. This is so cute. Yay. Oh my God. Yes. A sunny disposition. Yeah. A, so a lot of, they had a lot of cute shit. I highly recommend a sunny disposition on Etsy. Etsy. All of their shit was adorable. That's so funny that you ordered your, your gift for me on Etsy. I ordered my gift for you on Etsy. <laughs> it's a great it's, place. It's a great place to find handmade things, support small uh-huh. you know, creators, but then also there's a lot of niche stuff. It is. So it's like, what is my interest? I told you last episode, for us yesterday, for you guys last week, about the thing I almost got mm-hmm. you, which was also on Etsy, which was I searched crystal succulent thinking like somebody's going to have made like a crystal succulent holder and there are the little air plants that are actually in a crystal. I searched cryptid, just the word cryptid, and got so many results. And you can, if you just search Mothman or Jersey Devil or whatever, there's so many little things. And actually, what ended up happening, basically, I followed the thread of, like, cryptid and then found one seller and then saw that the seller had a lot of cryptid stuff. And I kept scrolling through her store and realized she also makes my favorite murder stuff. (laughs) So I was like... All my interests. Maybe I'll just focus on one thing <laughs> for her birthday, and then now I also know where I'm going to get her Christmas. Anything anyway. spooky happened to you since we recorded last night? I saved a story for you this occasion. I did. So while I was at our conference, we went out to dinner with our board of directors, and I'm 100% spooky. convinced. Yes, <laughs> spooky. People run our organization. I'm 100% convinced that the mirror at this establishment which was called August in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. This mirror was fucking haunted. Like, look at that shit. Oh, That's no. a haunted-ass mirror. So I'm like, okay, this mirror is haunted, whatever. Well, then I was joking around with our one of the members of our board being like, yeah, haha, ghosts, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, oh, you should talk to this person. She took a picture while we were there that has this weird mist over everybody's heads. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? you have footage of a ghost, so I tracked down this board member. I'm like, hey, you, I hear you have a picture of, like, ghost mist. Fucking show it to me. (laughs) And in nicer words, because they are on our board of directors. 
And they're like, yeah, okay, let me scroll through my pictures and try and find them. So they scroll and they scroll and they scroll and they go, oh, it wasn't my picture. It was X other person who was also taking pictures. But I know the picture you're talking about. It's a picture of these three people. The mist is very clear over this person's head. This person has previously been told by a mystic that there is a spirit attached to her. I don't know, whatever. So I'm like, oh, okay, great. This sounds amazing. Wow, I love this. So I like hunt down this member of our board, <laughs> this this third person that is now involved in telling yeah. me this ghost story. And like all the rest of the conference, because I could not find this person once I knew I was looking for them. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so has that picture. I'm like, you tell them if you see them. I'm yeah. looking for them. I'm fucking coming for that picture. Finally track them down and I go, hey, you, here you have this picture. And they go, oh my God, totally. I'll send it to you. So I give them my number and then I wait eagerly and I wait and I wait and I wait and they text me the photo (laughs) and then they forgot to text me and then I open it up and I'm like, you just need to fucking clean your lens. There's no mist. There's no nothing. It's just a dirty camera lens. And I had a visceral no, because I was so excited. I was like, it's finally happening. I'm going to have proof of a ghost. I can believe in ghosts now. It's going to be great. Oh my God. I'm going to have to crop everybody's faces out of this picture so that y'all can see it. And then it was just, a it was just, they just need to clean their camera. So I just disappointed, responded, spooky. Love it. Thanks. Well, okay. Well, one was today I found out there was a movie called The Turning based on the turn screw or screw turn by Henry James. Mm-hmm. The turned screw? Some, something about... The turning of the screw? The, no, yeah, so just something. I might be words. thinking of the taming of the shrew. Yeah, it's just... Anyway, Henry James. It's a <laughs> horror story from a long time ago. Yeah. But they're, they remade it into a... There, there have been several film adaptations. They, there's a new one coming out with Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Mm. I was watching the trailer alone in my classroom after school today, and there's like a jump scare part right at the end, but also at the same time. This is after school. All the kids have gone home. A student of sudden is like in my classroom goes, Miss... And I went... <laughs> He was like, I'm here to pay the dues. And I was like, oh. No. He's like, I'm in NEHS. I was like, "Ah." Get out. Get out. I did Google it. I'm glad I have safe search on because I just searched Henry James screw. Um, (laughs) That could have gone very differently, but it is called The Turn of the Screw. The Turn of the Screw. And the the movie is called The Turning. Yeah. But yeah, it's got Finn Wolfhard in it. And the (laughs) end of the trailer just got a little jumpier because there was like a point... Because it's just, like, spooky, gloomy, like, you know, nanny living in a, you know, big mansion oh. with two children, and it's, like, And as we all know, children and, are terrifying. And big houses, and big you know. big houses are it's terrifying. It's very much American Gothic, old house, whatever. And we all know from Riverdale that that is very scary. Yeah, and everything has a, a like, fog, right? Oh, and so like you saw trees, photo evidence trees of fall, Like, tree, tree leaves falling, and it's, win- you know, sort of, like, wintry win- fall in there, right? And so, yeah. but the end of the trailer has, like disembodied hands like crawling over like one of the people and then like yeah and then by the time I looked back at my phone like like a tarantula was like crawling out of Finn Wolfhard's mouth or someone's mouth and I was like what's happening 60% sure that Henry James never wrote anything about spiders coming out of anybody's anything yeah but this and then I fell into a wikipedia hole where I was like Ah, I need to know everything about this because I'm not going to watch this movie because who watches scary movies? Not this one. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Speaking of Wikipedia holes, I was doing some of my research today and I was reminded that it's been a while since my last annual donation to Wikipedia because they did the 
hey friend, it looks like you use Wikipedia a lot. And I'm like, don't judge me, just take my money and go. They just just pull monthly from my account. I do monthly donations. I do like one big annual, Mm. and that was was today. So you're welcome, Wikipedia. I did finally remember what it was I wanted to say. It was about that mirror. Yes. The haunted mirror. The haunted mirror. We had a mirror that looked like that at my parents' house, and all it was was they just had to pull the backing off of it, clean it, and then put it back together. And then it's clean again. It's just a dirty mirror. I know. I talked to my <laughs> like my non-spooky coworkers, and they were like, they just antiqued the mirror to make it look old. And mm-hmm. by antiquing, they mean made dirty. Yeah. I will say, if you are ever in New Orleans, the food at this restaurant was good. And also, the women's bathroom on the second floor, unexpectedly, has flamingo wallpaper, ooh. which was delightful. So I went into the bathroom, and I went, ooh. <laughs> It was really cute. So anyway. So anyway. We're talking about Canada. Anyway, that was a flawless anyway. segue. So let's talk about Canada Spoop. Let's talk about it. I have two stories. Okay, I have like four. Okay. Well, Shit, I have a featured creature. Oh, true? Duh. Oh, true. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, do I have, I feel like I have more than two stories. Is Why it a Wendigo? Oh my god, you got it. No. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the Wendigo when I was looking and I was like, yeah. what am I going to talk about in Canada? It was like, Wendigo. And I'm like, yes, again. Again. We need a chunk yeah, of when Wendigo. Yeah, when, when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, I hope this isn't my future creature. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the time I did a Selkie and I got six words out and you go, Selkie. <laughs> oh my god, god damn it, Sasha. The one time I was ever good the at feature. The one time you didn't need clues. You got it in six words and then I was like, well, fucking fine, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, shout out to cryptids.fandom.com, which is where I get almost all of our featured creatures. You are what you eat, and my name reflects exactly that. Ask the First Nations peoples of Canada about me, and they'll tell you I'm bigger than even the biggest grizzly bear. From prehistoric times till modern eras, I flip up beaver dams and lodges and grab the freshly unprotected beavers. Fishman. <laughs> no. Don Charlie, a Canadian First Nation member, describes a run-in her husband's sister had with me in 1984. So her sister-in-law in that way. Okay. I was eight or nine feet tall and charging right towards them. But they fired a few warning shots towards me. Then they got their boat going and cruised away. Most people who have seen me and have subsequently been shown a picture of a giant ground sloth have said that it is my spitting image. I'm a ground sloth. <laughs> yep, you got it. This is the one featured creature where I identify who I am. Now, the giant ground sloth has been extinct for a very long time. Some sources Surprise, bitch. Thought you'd never thought, see me again. <laughs> thought you'd seen the last of me, the giant ground sloth. <laughs> Some sources speculate that I'm just a giant ground sloth that evolved to eat meat to survive. Other sources say that giant ground sloths were always omnivores, and it was weird of us to assume they only eat plants because regular sloths do. And some sources just say I'm a weird, large grizzly bear that really likes beaver. Who's to say? Beaver man. Weirdly, I may also just be a beaver. (laughs) As recently as 10,000 years ago, so like super recently... North America was home to beavers that could be more than seven feet long and weigh nearly 300 pounds, which is a huge beaver. 
Big old beaver. That's a big old beaver. That's a chonky boy. Seven feet. Like Shaquille O'Neal is seven feet tall. So now imagine a beaver the size of Shaquille O'Neal. I don't want to. Too bad you're gonna. That's, that's too tall. Shaquille O'Neal is already too tall. And now People imagine who are if over he were five are already too tall. Imagine if he were a beaver and not Shaquille O'Neal. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, ten thousand years ago, humans were also becoming a thing. So it's possible there was overlap between oral tradition of humans seeing giant seven foot long beavers. And kind of, it got morphed into this sort of folktale, and then everybody got a little fuzzy on the details, and it's like, this happened recently. Anyway, do you need a hint for who I am? Yeah. I'm the explorer from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Do you not know that? No, I do. I was talking about this with my friends the other day, but I can't remember his name. I'm also a kind of gold potato. Oh, Yukon. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm also the item that I eat. Beaver. And also the thing that I do to them. Eater. I'm a Yukon beaver eater. What the fuck? It's also called a Satochin. Okay. And I will show you a picture. Yukon beaver eater. Yukon beaver eater. I saw it and I was like, well, this is going to be fun. This can only go well. So that's a giant ground sloth and that's what most people think Uh is likely to be the giant beaver eater. And then here's the giant beaver. Uh-huh, that's a big beaver. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the size of Shaquille O'Neal, Sasha. That's not a small beaver. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> wow. Yukon beaver eater. So if you are Canadian, if you've had a run-in with the Yukon beaver eater that may just be a giant cannibalistic beaver, go ahead and email spoopowergmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at spoopower. I feel like Yukon Beaver Eater is like a really good thing to just like, when you're exasperated. I was going to say, bust that out in your classroom and I guarantee all your students are going to be like, I'm going to immediately stop what I'm doing. Yukon Beaver Eater. I'm sorry, I'll be quiet now. Did Miss just curse? I think she said Yukon Beaver Eater. Yukon Beaver Eater. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, I said my last name. Damn it. Okay, I'll, I can edit both of them out because you said it earlier. I'll Damn cut it. Them, I'll, I'll cut them both out. I'll, I'll just bleep it and I'll put in Yukon Beaver Eater. So they'll be like, Miss Yukon Beaver Eater. Thank you. You're welcome. Your privacy will be preserved. Yes. Until you officially become Miss Yukon Beaver Eater. I'm going to have to tell Jack. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to keep your last name? No. Do you want to take my last name? No. no. I'm becoming Miss Yukon Beaver Eater. But why? Shut up. I'm doing it. <laughs> anyway, so... Jack, Yukon Beaver Eater. Oh, that flows Sasha, right Sasha, Yukon Beaver Eater. Sasha, Yukon Beaver Eater is real cute. Like, Amazing. imagine all your Yukon Beaver Eater children. Yvonne wow. and Steven. Beaver, Beaver Eater. Eater. <laughs> <laughs> why does this sound like uh, Evelyn Ever Never? Yes, it just, it's just like Evelyn Ever Never. <laughs> Evelyn <Steven> Beaver Eater. <laughs> We, we've been watching too much Riverdale, folks. Contrarily, we've been watching not enough Riverdale, because guess what comes back tonight when we're recording two weeks ago when you're listening? October 9th October on the CW. Riverdale season four. <laughs> Mine is the only good thing about the show because he passed away. I know. I was really... Okay. Uh, rest in peace, Luke Perry. R.I.P. Pour one out for Luke Perry. He used Pour to be... out some maple syrup for Luke Perry. Oh, and their maple syrup is really drugs. Because you got it from the Blossoms. Anyway, we're talking We're doing about great, Canada. you guys. We're 27 minutes. We're 27 minutes. Episode. It's fine. I'm going to cut most of this. This is going to be at, like, minute 16. We can have bonus features. Oh, I, I already, oh. like... Yeah, we have oh, a Patreon. Yes. Let's do it. 
So, officially, we have a Patreon. We have rewards tiers now. Where you can listen to the cut sections of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do full episode recaps of Riverdale. Of Ooh. just us, like, reacting to it. That'll be some of the bonus content. We have, at the moment, four reward tiers. For, so, for as little as a dollar a month, you get things like stickers, personalized thank yous from us, bonus content, the ability to have input on what the bonus content is, provided that it breaks no laws and isn't anything super weird because we're not going to do it. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, and when we say super weird, we also include, like, weird... weird violence, weird sexual se- nonsense. Sex, yeah. No, keep it in your pants. Keep it in your pants. We're not going to fucking do it. You don't own us because you gave us $5 a month. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which, like, thank you for giving us $5 a month. That's very sweet, but, but we're but not going to do keep- anything fucking weird for it, so... <laughs> Just keep that in mind. $7 a month is Halloween costumes or tarot readings? $7 a month, yep. So you'll get a tarot reading from Sasha. I will plan your next costume, be it for Halloween, for a house party, whatever you want. I'll just plan it. Again, nothing weird or sexual. Just me doing what I do best, which is planning weird costumes that nobody understands. And yeah. You do do that best. Yeah. Ideas for like bonus content that you might have is like, hey, the other day I was in the grocery store and I saw they have deep dish pizza flavored chips. I would love it if you guys would try that. That is an acceptable suggestion for bonus content. We love food. We love food. We love trying things. Unacceptable suggestions include violence. Hey, why don't you punch each other in the face? Why don't you punch yourself in the face? Anyway, Patreon, we're on it. I feel like the Game Grumps 10 uh, 10 Minute Power Hour has a lot of good, like, weird things that would be acceptable for us. Yeah, so go watch that to get an understanding of, like, Appropriate suggestions. Hey, why don't you guys sing a duet? Inappropriate suggestions. Why don't you guys do jello wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the scale we're working with. (laughs) Try to fall within that acceptable range of suggestions and we'll all be fine. So funny. (laughs) We do have the ability to block people on Patreon, and I swear to God, if y'all are weird, I'm gonna fucking block you. Jello wrestling is such a waste of perfectly good jello. I fucking waste. I love jello. If you want us to eat jello, we'll do that. If you want us to wrestle in it, you can fuck right now. If you want me to eat an entire kiddie pool of jello. Oh my god, Sasha, no. (laughs) I think that would be too much. And then have me me drive Sasha to the hospital (laughs) when her stomach ruptures. Her stomach pumped. Anyway. She, she ate too much jello. Anyway, Canada, eh? Do Canada you want to go first or do you don't want me to go first? I'll go first. The okay. first thing that I found is very short. It's just about something we've talked about before, which is sleep paralysis. Spooky. Spooky. But apparently there's a folk belief in Newfoundland that there is a hag who leaves her physical body at night and will sit on the chest of her victim. Whom among us is not a hag who leaves her physical body at night? I mean... I say this as a woman who tomorrow turns 30. <laughs> I am a hag bag. who leaves my physical body at night. Yes. And then goes to visit people that I like. Yeah. Which is mostly like Lizzo and Hosier. Because I hate everyone else. <laughs> and then I don't like sit on their chests because I'm not trying to kill them. I just yeah. like sit near them and like slip them notes that are like, you're the best, don't stop being you. <laughs> But the victim will wake up with a feeling of terror, much like Lizzo and Much Hosier like Lizzo do. and Hosier when they realize that I'm an old hag who has left my physical form and is in their house. <laughs> Leaving them weird notes. They're encouraging They're encouraging, notes. but if you woke up in the middle of the night and found an encouraging note all of a sudden <laughs> that wasn't there, <laughs> and you're famous, I, have, I don't know. I have terrible handwriting, so it for sure looks like a serial killer wrote it, even though the message is like, I really appreciate the messages of positivity you spread. Like, but it's in serial killer but it's handwriting. In serial killer handwriting so it's like i really appreciate it's not good 
I like the font that's on our Patreon called Hitchhiker. Hitchhike! Because it's still, it's still kind of cute, but also spooky, and it's still just one step below serial killer handwriting, which is what you... (laughs) Yeah, I was like, look, it's kind of serial killer-y, but it's also cute. Our official fonts are Creepster and Hitchhike. I always love getting notes from Courtney, or handwritten things from Courtney, because... such trash handwriting. But it's like endearing (laughs) trash handwriting, because I've... I've known it since I was in high school. That's true. But the victim will wake up with a feeling of terror, difficulty breathing because of this perceived heavy invisible weight of a hag on their chest, and they'll be unable to move. So this is sleep paralysis. Yes. But they experience, basically this experience is described as being hag ridden. <laughs> I'm sure that's how Lizzo and, and Hosier describe it to the police. hag ridden. <laughs> but there was a actual, like, psychological study that I found on oh. the APA by M. Firestone from 1985 called The Old Hag, Sleep Paralysis in Newfoundland. <laughs> like, it was an actual study. God bless. Where they basically talked about in Newfoundland that it's, like, this, like, common occurring thing where they talk about being sat on by a witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And so it's, like, very specific to Newfoundland that they're just talking about old hag paralysis. <laughs> So that's the first spooky thing. That, I love that. That's like very small. A second spooky, not quite spooky, but just like a weird Canada thing that I found was former Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King, who lived from 1874 to 1950. Hmm. He was really into mediums and fortune tellers because after World War One, he lost his father, his oh. mother, his brother, his sister, and a close friend within oh, like wow. such close proximity. And during the night, he would record his details of his efforts going to different mediums for several decades until he died. At one point, he went to a fortune teller in uh, Kingston, Ontario, named Rachel Blini. And then he also went to London and met with Sir Oliver Lodge and recorded his comments on, like, the ordering of human lives by spirit beings and the Mm. need for faith on the parts of mediums and sitters. He went to his first formal seance in 1932 at the home of a widow in Brockville, in a town called Brockville, and she was the widow of a Canadian senator. So, the like, hockey that's player? No, just, <laughs> just a Canadian senator. Um, so yeah, so other people in politics who are into the kind of spooky things. Yeah. He ha- had like some favorite mediums. One was named Henrietta Readit, who passed away in 1942. I'm sorry to laugh um, when you say when she passed away, but her name was Readit, and I'm yeah, sure what read, she was read, read tarot cards. Yeah, and she, he would also frequently travel to Detroit, Michigan to attend oh. other seances. But yeah, it was like, he was just like really into things about um, the practice of table wrapping and consulting mediums in England and in Canada. We got into table wrapping on my last episode of 33% Pulp. Yeah. Because it was a thing that people used to do to make it seem like ghosts were there. They'd set up contraptions that were attached to their knees so they'd wiggle their leg and then something would knock on the table. Oh, and he also was interested in the interpretation of dreams, numerology, synchrosity, and the reading of tea leaves. (gasps) We've Um, done most of those. His spiritual beliefs had only been known to close friends and colleagues because, again, this guy was prime minister of Canada. Yeah, he was doing it. And the professional mediums he'd consulted had guarded his privacy closely. And his interest in activities became public knowledge in Britain's psychic news after his death. And then it was picked up by magazines and newspapers in Canada with speculations Mm. about how much spirit messages might have affected his uh, political decisions. Oh. At one point, though, finally, like, they were saying that, you know, he was very intelligent and, like, like, he was 
particular and careful in his political dealings, so they think that he wasn't necessarily, like, influenced by his spiritual stuff. No. Except that at one point there was one sitting he did with a statesman and looking at other, like, psychic experiments, Uh and they had been warned about potential troubles in Asia. Oh. Which was kind of weird, but then he tried to, like, make sure that he would ignore, like, any, like, weird political advice that he was given and only, like, suss things out for himself. That's actually, Um, I really respect that. Yeah, It's just like having an interest in something and not letting it affect your job. In 1977, though, his literary executors made the decision to burn the notebooks in which mediums had apparently recorded their impressions in response to questions King had asked. And the remaining records about his spiritualist activities were closed and only open to researchers in 2001, a full 50 years after. After his death. So some stuff has been destroyed, others have been kept, but yeah, like, they had a spoopy, like, their prime minister would have listened to Spoop Yeah, (laughs) in the same way that we have this interest where, like, it's not impacting us, we're not basing all our financial decisions because a psychic told us we suck. I'm not telling my students that I'm just not compatible with them based on our star signs, like, and I'm just going to give them Fs because they... They're harshing your Libra mellow. Yeah, or they did something bad to me in a past life. Yeah, like... We just, we have an interest in it, and we don't let it, like, harm anything. It's just mm-hmm. something that we're interested in. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Good job, really Prime Minister. All right. Tell me something. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the Baldoon mystery, which mm. is not as exciting as the other thing I found, but I would like to close with that if possible. So, this is courtesy of Wikipedia, which reminded me to give them money. Go ahead, give them some money, and then maybe pop over to the Spook give Hour Patreon. Give them some money, and then give us Patreon money. Woo! As little as a dollar a month. You start getting bonus content at the $3 a month mark. Woop woop. So, soup's easy. If you have the money to spare, we'd love to spend it. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. It's going to go towards our snacks and snacks. Anyway. And stickers. And so many stickers. you got to keep us in stickers, and then we can send them to you for free. Anyway. Wikipedia, Cottage Life, Skeptoid, and McLean's all contributed to this portion of Spoop Hour. Cool. Sometimes called Canada's most well-known ghost story, the Baldoon Mystery is an unsolved weird happenstance surrounding a house near Wallaceburg and Chatham, Ontario. John MacDonald and his family moved into the Scottish sheep farming settlement of Baldoon in 1829-ish, because in classic folktale rules... We kind of don't know when it happened, but it was probably, like, late 1820s. Sure. So most things I saw put it specifically in 1829, but there was just enough, like, I don't know, it might have been, like, 1826. It was the latter half of the 1820s. Okay. All was not hunky-dory in the quaint two-story frame house. Weird things started happening shortly after move-in day. Hmm. As a group of women were weaving in the barn on the property, three beams fell into their group nearly smashing them to bits. Oh, God. The women, understandably, were like, what the fuck, and scattered. Yeah. People reported being hit with bullets. Not bullets that were shot at them, but bullets that were seemingly thrown at them by an invisible enemy. So somebody was just, like, scooping up bullets and being like, hey, fuck you, and throwing them. (laughs) Just pew, pew, just pegging them with bullets. I don't even know. Livestock would die without warning and seemingly at random. So, like, a sheep would die here, a chicken would die there, and there'd be no outward cause. They'd just drop dead. Dishes would hover above the table. Stones would be thrown against the windows of the house without anybody seeing anybody throwing them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this even broke the windows. Hard to say. Chairs and tables would collapse for no reason. And one time, a kettle on the fire threw its lid across the room, as I put in my notes, Tipped itself over and poured itself out like a little teapot. (laughs) 
and then fell to the floor. <laughs> what? A baby in a cradle was rocked by some sort of invisible nanny. Like, there was nobody near it, but the cradle just started rocking. Uh-huh. So, like, not a mean spirit curse yeah. thing. Like the baby. The family's indigenous person knife also reportedly embedded itself in the wall. And I put in my notes, possibly because they were colonizers. Right. Basically, they had this knife. As far as I can tell, it was just, like, a souvenir thing. I don't... Sure. They just... They had it. And yeah. at one point, it just, like, threw itself across the room, embedded itself in the window frame, and stayed there forever. Neil McDonald, John's son, documented the incidents in a memoir, including the witness statements of 26 family members, relatives, and neighbors who all saw at least one strange thing happen at the McDonald residence. Mm. The events came to a head in 1831 when the original home caught fire out of nowhere and burned to the ground. But the curse was not broken after the house had been burned. The McDonald clan moved next door to live with John's father, thinking this is going to be the end of it. We're going to move in with John's dad. We're living with Grandpa. Did it attach itself to them? Well, maybe. Because bullets and rocks continued to be thrown at this house. But even... Just they piss off. <laughs> That's what I want to know. We'll find out, won't we? Even weirder, so these bullets and rocks that were being thrown almost always were wet. Uh-huh. And they were like, because there, there was a river nearby. So they're like, it's like they're coming out of the river. Like, you know how rocks look yeah. when you pull them out of a river? It looked like that. And so the family started whenever somebody, whenever something threw a rock through the window, they would mark the rock. So they'd like carve an X into yeah. it or just like put a shape on it and plop it back in the river oh. and be like, fuck this rock in particular. So that made it extra weird when the same stone would then be thrown again at the McDonald house. Huh. So they were like, okay, fuck this. I'm going to walk a bit. I'm going to throw this rock into the river. We're going to be done with it. I drew a smiley face on that one. Let's be over with it. And then the same smiley face rock would turn up again, still soaking wet. I hate it, but also ectoplasm. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, said the McDonald's. I guess we'll camp forever. They set up a tent on their original land near the burnt out shell of their former home. Amazing. And called in the professionals. First, Robert Barker, a local school teacher slash paranormal expert, and I put in my notes, Sasha's great-great-great-grandfather, because <laughs> he's a school teacher and paranormal expert, just yes. like you. Just like me. So and I come from a long lineage of school teachers. Yes. And, and paranormal I have, experts. I have family in Saskatchewan. Yeah, see? It works out. Anyway, so Robert Barker comes in, and he's like, I got y'all. He does a couple exorcisms. Spoiler alert, nothing happens. So then British Army Captain Lewis Bennett swoops in and he's like, I'm going to solve this mystery and I'm going to save the day. <laughs> Imagining him like swooping in in like his like beautiful military uniform. I'm pretty sure he did because whatever poltergeist slash curse plaguing the house stole his bullets, <laughs> dunked them in the river, and then threw them at him. What the fuck? That is I, objectively hilarious. That is like the biggest fuck you. <laughs> oh, oh. What a nice gun you have there. Be ashamed of something would have... Oops, I got your bullets. Oops, they're all wet. Now I'm going to throw them at you. I put in my notes, this is the kind of petty shit that I would do where I am poltergeist. Like, I just love that image of like, where are my bullets? Ow, what the fuck? I need to know what's up with this poltergeist because I have two poltergeist stories. Ooh. And they're from like other houses and estates. Interesting because... Okay, so they called in a witch doctor. Nothing changed. Called the witch doctor. And nothing changed. According to most versions of the story, the situation was finally resolved when the McDonald family got some advice. 
The curse would be broken if John McDonald, the patriarch of the house, shot a black-headed goose he had seen around his property with a silver bullet. In Neil's recounting, the advice was given by a 15-year-old girl with second sight, and Neil described her basically the way everybody describes psychics. She's like, very pale, and she has long, straight, dark hair, and she has haunted eyes, but she delivers all these facts, and she knows spooky things about us. Okay. 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 You don't need to worry no, about no, the no. goose. The goose does okay, not die. Okay, because I was going to say, in Letterkenny, <laughs> Canada gooses, not geese, Canada gooses uh-huh. are the majestics of all ornithologies. <laughs> How dare you even suggest? Well, good news. This isn't a Canada goose. Comes to like, it's not. A, it's it's like a farm goose. It's like a, a white goose white with a black goose, head blackhead. and a single black feather in each wing. Mysterious. It might not be a real goose. We'll get into we'll it. We'll find out. Spoilers. So the fifteen-year-old girl was like, "Hey, basically, you're under a curse." And this is the result of a land dispute you're having with some neighbors, specifically an old woman living in a, quote, long, low log house. John, being sensible, was like, yeah, I'll shoot a goose. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And so he loads his gun up with silver bullets. But as it turns out, John, not a great shot. He only clips the goose in one of the wings, and then the goose is like, fuck you, (laughs) bye-bye. As we all know from Untitled Goose Game, as gooses do. (laughs) Fuck you, bye-bye. So, John follows this mysterious goose to see what the deal is, and to figure out, like, where is it going? Who is this goose? Yeah. Sure enough, the goose led him back to the long, low log cabin, where he saw their disagreeable old neighbor. She now had a broken arm and muttered darkly at him. Hmm. So, that led most people to believe that this old woman was a witch who had cursed the McDonald family Uh over this land dispute. In one account, she had tried to buy their land away from them, and they said no, and so then she started, like, cursing them to get them to leave so then she could buy up the land. In others, she's just kind of a spiteful old woman who's also a goose. But what really happened in Baldoon? Most likely, Neil took some hazy childhood memories, because by most accounts, he was, like, five oh. when all of this would have been happening. Like, when I read that he did a memoir, I'm like, okay, so Neil is, like, 15, 16 1800s grown man age no he was probably five. Oh, so he probably remembered like one time a chair fell over <laughs> and was like spooky and then he maybe stitched it together with local indigenous lore about forest fairies that would like mm. wreak mischief on your house mm-hmm. and like do this this that and the other so he kind of like took elements from column A and he got this mystic soothsayer in there and he got this old lady who was a witch in there and this old spooky thing that happened and he kind of Put it all together into a magnificent story of witches, geese, and bullets that were thrown. Amazing. Is this the one you were really excited about? It wasn't. No. The next one is. Okay, because this one is also... <laughs> it's great, but what I will read you after you read to me is so much better, Sasha. Ooh. You can't even imagine. Okay, it's... let's see. I think I'll read... Okay, the Dag Shawville poltergeist. That sounds like something. There's I've also read another about. one that's also the Great Amherst Mystery, which oh. is another poltergeist. That one is the Dag Shawville poltergeist. This is a story from the Ottawa Citizen. Don't so you it's mean actually, the Putingeist? Ah, uh, Putingeist, which is a publication, news news publication in Ottawa, and was like. It's, it's by this author named Chris Lackner from 2014, mm. and he goes into, like, the rest of this article goes into, like, his experience trying to hunt this particular poltergeist, where he was talking, he kind of calls himself, like, 
the skull, like the photographer, the molder to his scully, and they decide to go investigate this thing that's been kind of like an urban legend. And so it's just like a feel, not feel good, but like a human interest news story or whatever. Mm. But I'm just going to share the actual like poltergeist part of the story because the rest of it is like interviewing local people and being like, yeah, this is probably not real. (laughs) It's like, well, but let me just at least let me have this. Let let me have this one. Okay. So, in a burst of streaking flame, that's how (gasps) Ottawa Valley's legendary talking poltergeist is said to have vanished 125 years ago. Oh. I guess at this point, 130 years ago. The dramatic farewell was apparently witnessed on November 18th, 1889. Ooh. By the children of farmers George and Susan Dagg on their farm in Clarendon, 10 kilometers away from Shawville, Quebec. So, they're trying to figure out, like, you know, what could this be? Is it just, like, a flight of youthful fancy? Is it just, like, imagine, you know, did did they see something? I feel like they blamed everything on flights of youthful fancy back in the day. It was either, like, women's hysteria or a flight of youthful fancy. Yeah. But what's harder to explain is that there was a witness statement signed by George Dagg and 16 farmers and community leaders, from politicians to clergymen, outlining the spirit's three-month campaign of torment (laughs) on the Dagg farm. Three months? Dagg? Yeah. And they had 17 people sign this thing witness statement (laughs) jesus christ so those manifestations attracted media coverage and wagon loads of curiosity seekers and especially when the phantom actually started speaking so apparently according to like historians in this town there are loads of ghosts around this is just ghost town right but this is the only one that talked oh and people had actually heard it talk so they okay. were like this is this is a mouthy this one this is a mouthy one i don't care for this so between official records media coverage gossip and local lore there's many variations to this tale but the two things that are consistent are the one the disturbing events centered on an 11 year old adopted oh, orphan no adopted orphan oh, oh no. no named dinah mclean and that they began on September 15th, 1889, escalating through to the fall. Did so. you see the thing recently about the woman who claims that the child she was accused of abandoning is actually a little person from Romania who tried to kill her? Yeah, I, is it the same? But that's not the same story as the one that was like the 22-year-old who... Who found was, out that yeah. it was adopted by her oh, mother's no, no, no. murderous brother? No, no, not that. No, oh. the 22-year-old who was pretending to be a 9-year-old. From, I think it may have been a similar case or the Maybe. same one. Yeah. No, no, The other one that you were just telling me, talking about, that one was weird, too. Yeah, that one just happened a couple weeks yeah. ago that all came out. Weird shit in the news lately, guys. About people who are adopted or not adopted because their uncle murdered her parents, kidnapped her, and then gave her to his brother. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway. Dinah, <laughs> Dinah this 11-year-old orphan, okay. was the magnet that drew the ghost, according to an 1889 group statement. Can we not blame an 11-year-old? Dinah's presence attracted everything from the unexplained spontaneous fires, Ooh. eight at once occurring in a single day, <laughs> to such objects as a water jug, butter tub, and wash basin being tossed around the property by invisible agency. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. One, sounds like Dinah maybe has some rage issues and is just setting shit on fire. Two, I'm low-key impressed that they managed to set a water jug, a butter churn, and another wet thing on fire. No, no, no. Were they not full at the time? 
No, no, no. She didn't set those on fire. Oh. No, she tossed them around the... Oh, they were thrown they around. They were thrown around, okay, yeah. Okay, so, sorry. I thought so, there was... There no, no, no. Was, those eight, were on fire. Eight, eight spontaneous fires in a single day. Gotcha. And then also water Stuff jug, butter around. tub, and wash basin being tossed around the property. Okay. I was uh, about to be real impressed. No, 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 no. It's just the two separate things. Well, also, um, impressed. stones being thrown through windows, a mouth organ playing on its own, yeah. and an empty rocking chair moving vigorously. <laughs> That's creepy. I love when harmonicas are called mouth organs. Yeah. It's so gross, but also I love it. Love it. When the child Dinah is present, a deep, gruff voice like that of an aged man has been heard at various times, both in the house and outdoors, witnesses attest. And when asked questions, the voice would answer so as to be distinctly heard, showing that he is cognizant of all that has taken place. The Dag Spirit was the subject of a 1957 National Film Board movie, The Ghost That Talked. In 1889, it found its loudest voice upon the arrival of Percy Woodcock, a journalist who who covered the strange events for the Brockville Recorder and Times. Woodcock engaged the spirit in epic debate, according to Greg Graham, a local playwright and amateur historian. With witnesses gathered, Woodcock argued for the soul of Dinah and asked this ghost, or whatever it was, to leave her alone. They began debating about philosophy, theology, the nature of God, right and wrong, and when he made the ghost mad, Dinah would react as if she was slapped, kicked, hit, punched, or scratched. It got very violent against Dinah, and he'd have to back off. Yeah, can we not debate the ghost that's hurting Dinah? Also, every time you say the dag ghost, it also sounds like you're holding in a swear. The dag god? The dag ghost! It's funny because it just reminds me of, like, the Crucible. Yeah. The spirit only ever physically appeared to the children, Mary, aged four, and John Dagg, aged two. The troubled, and the troubled Dinah, obviously. It took on various guises. One was a tall man with a cow's head, cloven feet, and horns. Another was a big black dog. And then another way it appeared was an angelic figure with long white hair and a crown. I think the dog is my favorite. Yeah, he wanted to upset everybody there, and he did a good job of it, so whatever he could think of that was unusual that day, he did. He had a very unique personality, and he was just a strange ghost. (laughs) The mischievous spirit also appeared to have an identity crisis. At various points, it claimed to be a devil, the devil, (laughs) a spirit of a man who died 20 years earlier, and later, before its dramatic flaming exit, it even claimed to be an angel. So it's a ghost with low self-esteem. Basically. He's just trying out a couple different things to be. Yeah. I feel ya. In most incidents, the spirit seemed to be a mischievous prankster, but in others, a terrifying force, like in one account, which it asked one of the children, would you like to go to hell with me? (laughs) Or maybe... I like to think that he talks to it the same way you talk to kids. Oh, do you want to go to Toys R Us? Do you want to go to hell with me? (laughs) It's more like, would you like to go to hell with me? And there was also a woodshed encounter with the reporter Woodcock, in which it claimed, I am the devil and I'll have you in my clutches. Or, I am the devil and I will have you in my clutches. I still like to think that he talks just like baby talk. I am the devil and I have you in my clutches. Oh, you, oh, you, you cutie, I've got you in my little clutches. You're so cute, I'm just going to eat you right I'm up. I'm going to put you right in my clutch. I'm just going to put you right in my little pocket to clutch you later. It even had a sense of humor, once advising a clergyman trying to perform an exorcism that he'd better stick to photography. <laughs> God, I love 
love this ghost. What I love is that's according to a November 25th, 1889 report in the Ottawa Free Press. 100% this ghost was me. You know, you're not doing very well with this. Have you thought about photography? <laughs> Venetia Crawford, an author and historian with the Pontiac Archives, says that he she doesn't think that he was either good or bad. He was just whatever he wanted to be in the moment. He was Whom just among us. Chaotic evil. Whom among us. <laughs> Towards the end, witnesses heard the spirit's voice change from demonic to angelic and oh. join in the singing of hymns. Oh. So he's converted. <laughs> he's like, oh shit, this is my jam. Graham says no more disturbances were noted after its fiery disappearance into the sky, an act intended to prove its heavenly nature to the dag children. The dag children. The dag children. <laughs> but the specter might have missed... May, may have its mark on the family. Some say John Dagg died w- during the First World War and that the Phantom had predicted it. Dinah herself mysteriously disappears from the history books with no marriage or burial records. But there is a tale of her working as a teen on a different farm and being called upon a mysterious man one night and never seen again. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dag, dag, dag. <laughs> dag, dag, dag. Dinah, Dinah, Dinah. <laughs> Tell me the story that you were so excited about when we were upstairs and you were like, oh my god, oh my god, God. I can't wait. This story has everything. everything. I'm just going to read to you the subtitle I have in my notes for this because this is Canadiana.com has the best subtitle for it. So I wrote Christy Mansion and what this is Canadiana calls a grisly story of cookies and sex. Excellent. Sexcellent. Yes. Cookies sexcellent. Sexadoodles. Snickerdoodles. I like sexy doodles though. <laughs> oh, what a cute dog. What kind of dog is it? It's a sexadoodle. Anyway, this is courtesy of Cottage Life, Toronto City News. This is Canadiana and youeat.utoronto.ca. Next time you make snickerdoodles, you just put a little bit of red and pink sugar on top of it. There we go. And they're sexy. Because red and pink are sexy colors. (laughs) I'll just cut out little dicks at the end of it. So I'll bake the regular snickerdoodles and then I'll cut them to be in the shape of dicks. For my bachelorette party, For your bachelorette party. Dicks, 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 dicks. Sexadoodle. Sexadoodle. Sexadoodle do, y'all. Can they be pumpkin filled? Yes. Okay, thank you. You know I've made you many up. Do you want the pumpkin cheesecake ones that you really like? I do. I think those predate Spoop Hour, the podcast. They they do predate Spoop Hour, the podcast. They are the best cookies. (laughs) They are my favorite cookies you make. I love them so much. Here's some Spoop Hour bonus content for you. I'll give you that recipe. Oh, yeah. If you back us, also, it's October. It's fall. It's definitely time for pumpkin cheesecake. You are now done with your conference. Maybe you'll make some pumpkin cheesecake. I mean, maybe. Who's to say? Who's to say? Pumpkin cheesecake. All right, sex and cookies. Tell me. Sex and cookies. This is. I can't, you guys. After an early job at a bakery, winning awards for biscuits, and harnessing the power of steam, William Mellis Christie founded the Canadian cookie brand Mr. Christie, originally called Christie Brown and Company. In the late 1800s. The power of steam. The power of steam. I was feeling very dramatic. Mr. Christie is still a thing to this day, though they are owned and operated by Nabisco now and not the Christie family. Also, fun fact, Canadian listeners report back if you can, but I believe that Oreos in Canada are marketed as a Mr. Christie cookie. Oh. Like, it's still Nabisco because Nabisco owns all of them. National Biscuit Company. Yeah, the National Biscuit Company now owns the Christie stuff, but I believe the, the slogan that Nabisco came up with was, Mr. Christie, you make a good cookie or something like that. Because it was a simpler time. 
But anyway, hmm. how did Nabisco come to acquire the Mr. Christie Cookie Company? Nabisco. Yeah. Possibly because of some shady stuff that went down after the titular Mr. Christie kicked the bucket in 1900. Because of sex and cookies? Maybe. Ooh. By his death, the senior Mr. Christie had been quite the Canadian muckety-muck. His company employed two out of every three people in the entire Canadian biscuit manufacturing industry. Amazing. A statistic that I find very funny. That's amazing. Just because it's so specific. Two out of every three people in the Canadian biscuit manufacturing industry. So basically, everybody who worked in cookies, 66.66 repeating percent of them worked for Mr. Christie. (laughs) Which is... A lot of people. A lot of people. Like, I don't know how widespread the Canadian biscuit manufacturing industry is, but that that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Two out of three of any industry, that's a, that's a big number. That's a big number. Yeah. His company was massive. They named a street after him because it took up like half the fucking town. They have Christie Street. So if you live near Christie Street, that's why it's named that. It is for Mr. Christie's Cookies. Mm-hmm. And he had left behind enough of an empire to leave his son, Robert Jaffray Christie, sitting pretty amongst the cream of the maple crop. And I put in my notes, taking pot shots at Canada. The heir apparent and family man, Robert, was not all that he seemed, though. And he was maybe not the greatest choice to run his father's hard-won cookie conglomerate. Hmm. Because Robert was not a dedicated family man at all. While he lived full-time with his wife at the Christie Mansion, located at Wellesley in Queen's Park Crescent, the house where his father had passed away from cancer in 1900, Uh he kept a secret mistress. Oh. Worse still, he kept his secret mistress in-house for hot and cold running illicit hanky-panky, building a secret windowless chamber in the middle of the house for his mistress to live full-time. What the fuck? Oh, yes. Bet you didn't see secret sex closet coming. No, but but also a windowless room. It was a sex closet. That's, uh... Like, I coined the term in the next sentence of my notes. The room was pretty cushy for being a sex closet. Yeah. Genuinely, it had no windows. It had a door. She wasn't allowed to leave. It had a bed, a bathroom, so it was like a pretty nice sex closet. I can't imagine the bathroom had its own door, so I imagine it was just like an open-air toilet. Yeah. But, like, Sure. And it also had a dedicated butler to bring the mistress food and water because, again, she wasn't allowed to leave. She had to live full time in her sex closet. (sighs) Robert managed to keep his mistress. Not so much a mistress as like a person he kidnapped. Uh, Yeah, I feel like it is a kidnapping. Everything I read made it sound like the mistress was super into Robert, but like, how into a guy can you be where. Although. If we're all familiar with the story of Otto in the Attic, which is a great episode of The Dollop and just a general bananas crime where a man lived in a woman's oh, attic yeah, for yeah. ages you because yeah, because she was boning him and like Dick was so good he moved across country with her. So I remember that. People yeah. sometimes do not smart things and agree to live in sex closets because they're really attached to the people asking them to do it. So Yikes. by all accounts, she wasn't kidnapped, but like... Also, she wasn't allowed to leave, but they kind of make it sound like she also never asked to leave. I don't know. It's super shady. I don't recommend putting your mistress in a windowless room. At least treat her as well as you treat a houseplant and let her get some sun and air and water. I don't know. Yikes. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Anyway, for years, the mistress lived in this sex closet, and... Robert would visit her frequently under the nose of his wife, who probably, let's be real, thought her house was super fucking haunted. Yeah. Because she probably heard weird noises all the time. Moaning and furniture moving. And, and like, 
water running when nobody was around and like, huh, in the middle, the middle part of the house, it always sounds like someone's walking around in there, but there's no room there. So meanwhile, Mrs. Christie is living in some sort of haunted hellscape. The mistress is not allowed to leave her sex closet and Robert is just doing whatever the fuck Robert wants all the time. Eating cookies and having sex. Eating cookies and having sex. Living the dream. But things went about as well as can be imagined for a married man with his wife and his mistress living under the same roof Uh for a while anyway. The mistress was seemingly cool with just being a convenient booty call confined to her sex closet and only having the master of the house for any semblance of company. Uh And the butler who would occasionally bring her food and water. Wow, the butler knew too. Yeah. And the butler was like, this is fine. Like, my God, man. (laughs) What? Per this is Canadiana.com, the mistress would, quote, just hang out in there waiting for Robert to visit so they could have sex and carry on whatever twisted semblance of a romantic life you can have when one of you is being held in the secret room of a Victorian mansion by your lunatic cookie baron lover. And that was the point where I started giggling and I was like, this story has everything. Also, this person, <laughs> the, whoever wrote this sounds just like you. I know. Whoever wrote this... Please write in if you hear this episode. Come on, Spoop Hour. I love the phrase lunatic cookie baron lover. Like, my God. Unfortunately, things were all good and great and sex closety until one day, Robert, I'm probably the worst, Christy, started getting over the thrill of having an in-house mistress. Uh... He started visiting less and less frequently. And keep in mind, he's her only guest. And slowly but surely, his mistress started to go mad from loneliness. Uh Uh-huh. As the visits grew even more infrequent, Robert's mistress became bereft and eventually hanged herself from the rafters. Oh, God. As the urban legend goes, Robert had the body of his unnamed mistress removed from the sex closet under cover of darkness and buried somewhere on the grounds of the Christie mansion. Uh... Some say he was never the same after this. Uh-huh. The thought that he had caused a woman to take her own life because his wandering dick had a short attention span actually impacted his previously perfect white man life. The cookie business suffered as a result, and, short on funds, Robert had to sell the family home to the St. Michael's College for some quick cash. Twenty years after his father's death, Robert, now in ailing health, sold the bakery and signed a non-compete clause saying that no Christie would go into the baking business. In 1926, Robert died. St. Michael's College, run by the Sisters of St. Joseph, used the house as a woman's residence upon acquiring the property. The mistress room gained an infamous reputation. If a woman entered the room alone at night, the door would slam shut behind her and lock itself. Oh, God. Unless someone heard her panic cries, the woman would stay trapped in the room overnight like Robert Christie's mistress. Mm. The building is now owned by Regis College, and the room, now known as Room 29, still maintains its spooky rep, trapping young ladies in there for the crime of trusting a handsome cookie man with a short attention span. Oh my god. And that is the sordid tale of the Christie Mansion and the evil Cookie Baron. It has everything. Cookies, sex, secret rooms, probable hauntings. What more could you want? The only, it's like a Rebecca-esque story because our, mitri- our mistress, our protagonist, never gets a first name. Yeah. We don't know who she is. I mean, yellow wallpaper. Yeah, ye- full yellow wallpaper style. Only she doesn't get to kill her husband. She doesn't get to kill her husband. Which, well, well he's not her. even her fucking husband. Ugh, he just kidnapped her. her. Yeah. Oy. I'm excited that we have other Canadian horror story, like ghost stories I for know. like another episode. Canada, Ma- you turned up the spoop. Yeah. There are a lot of poltergeists in Canada. Yeah. 
Don't know why. Probably for the same reason that anywhere has poltergeists, colonizers. Yep, colonizers. Also, a weirdly maniacal cookie man. It kind of reminded me, like, and I had to keep looking to make sure it wasn't. I don't know if you remember from our Ghost Town episode. Christy cookies. Ooh, Christy cookies are actually good looking. Yeah. Where can I find you? Okay. I think they're based out of Nashville now because I Googled it. But, yeah, it's the... Ooh, there's one in Germantown? Oh, no, no, Nashville. That, Nashville. Okay, two in Nashville. Okay. Can we order them online and have yeah, them delivered to so. our house? Okay. Yeah, you can put stuff in your cart. Great. Okay. Hello. Hello. Holiday. Cookie of the month. Coffee. Anyway, back us on Patreon so we can buy ourselves some Mr. Christie's cookies. And go ahead and take a picture of yourself with some Mr. Christie's cookies if you have them. Like the Smithfield ham that nobody seems to want to take a picture of yeah, themselves I'm, with. Every time I go to a different grocery store, I'm going to go look. Yeah, I'm going to try to find one too. Anyway, so Canada, thank you for turning out the spoop. We have future content for future episodes. Uh-huh. Oh, what are This saying? is not the same as Mr. Christie. Oh. This it's is only as old one. as us, oh. but it also looks really good. It does. So, like, I ain't mad at it. I ain't Maybe mad we'll at order it. the wrong Christie cookies. We'll order but the wrong Christie cookies. But the story about the in house mistress reminded me of the ghost town where it was like the mining guy who kept a secret mistress. Mm-hmm. And then he either he knocked her up and then he like locked her up because he was an asshole. And then she eventually, I think she, like, died in childbirth or something terrible happened to her, and now she haunts the place. And I had to keep looking it up to make sure it wasn't the same evil cookie baron in yeah. both stories. But in one, I think he's a mining dude, and the other one, he's a he's a cookie guy. So, anyway, who knew that cookies could have such a sordid sexual past? I sure didn't. I like that John Christie is listed as serial killer. That might not be the same. That no. might be a different. Yeah, that's a different, that's a different Christie. One. Oh, okay, just another one. But there's oh, another gross. Christie from England. Oh, gross! He was a necrophile. He was a necrophile. Oh, gross! Yikes! That was Notting Hill. Oof! Oof! Man, who knew that Chris Christie, our shitty politician, was going to be like the most reputable Christie <laughs> of repute? Amazing! Oof! Oof! Anyway, ooh, Mr. Christie snack packs. I'm listening. Ooh, take negotiations out of snack time with Mr. Christie Snack Packs. <laughs> Justice League. Teddy, Teddy Grahams. Yep, there's the mini yep. Oreos as Mr. Christie's. <laughs> huh. Anyway, send us Mr. Christie's cookies. You don't have to. Maybe just enjoy some of your own Mr. Christie's cookies. Thanks for listening, you guys. Maybe check out our Patreon if you are able to do so. You don't have to. Obviously, we will continue producing this content for free all the time. But... You know, if you can give us a dollar a month, you'll keep us in cookies that may or may not have sorted sexual doodle pasts. Hmm. Sasha's back on the original Wrong Christie website. Sasha's buying cookies. Nom, nom, nom. Are you in desperate need of advice? But maybe your problems are too strange, too scary, and too shameful for the average advice show? We are the Carol Sisters, hosts of the paranormal and true crime advice show, Dear Murder Street, and we are here to help. Do you suspect that your very shy and polite neighbor may, in fact, be a serial killer? Is there a ghost in your bedroom watching you change? Were you catfished by someone who turned out to be a very sad, very lonely extraterrestrial? Call and leave a message at 845-418-6681 or write to us at dearmurderstreet at gmail.com. Visit dearmurderstreet.com for more information and find us wherever you get your podcasts.